Welcome to Equipus Christchurch. Equipus Church is a whole lot of friends championing one another to go higher in Christ. For more details, check out our website at equipuschurch.com forward slash Christchurch. I'm excited today to transition us from this amazing series, Trust and Trouble. And if you missed any of those, that gives you a whole lot more context for part of what I want to speak about today. So do feel free to just listen to those and catch those online. It's a good series. And Pastor Mayer said something phenomenal last week. And I don't know if you caught it near the end of her message. She says, I love that it's that journey of faith. It's not based in an outcome. It's based in a person. We're not believing for, God, if you do this thing like a quid pro quo, then I'll do this thing, right? It's actually, no, we trust in the one who goes and meets us in the storm. Daniel wasn't spared from the lion's den. He was spared in it. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego weren't spared from the fire. They were spared in it. Jesus wasn't spared from the cross. He spared us in it. He's a God who meets us in the storm. And I, I think this is a powerful series. And I've been reading Job lately and thinking, man, that sucked a lot. If you've, if you've read that, like he loses everything in like a day, like everything, everything he owns, all of his kids, everything. And then his health goes. And, and he says, naked I came, naked I'll go. Praise the name of the Lord. He's saying it. I came with nothing. I'm taking nothing with me. But what I can control is my response and my praise. And if you're going through something and the enemy can't rob your praise, I want to tell you today that not only does it disarm him, but it also disorientates him. And I wonder, when was the last time he had to go and took something in your ability to praise? What if today was a day where you're like, nah, I'm going to declare war again. I just came to speak to some soldiers today. And, and you know, we're about to go into a series on fasting, and I pray it's fast because I like meat, but... It's a cool thing that, you know, that we can embrace as believers, as followers of Jesus whenever we want. It's a discipline we can do whenever we want by ourselves, but it's pretty special that once a year as a movement right around the country, around the nation, we just go after at the end of the year, God, what are you saying for next year? What do you want us to go after? What are you asking for me personally to lay down or to pick up in this season? And How can I help get on board with what you're wanting to do? And just an invitation. I think it's going to be an amazing time to do that together. And we've got a wedding for my family one coming up in the middle of it. And I just pray for forgiveness after that meal for somewhere in between. But it's good. God is merciful of my humanity. So good. Hey, anybody like my accompaniment? I thought we'd just try a uh, modern take on a David. He's probably better looking than David was. Say hi, Sean. Good to see you, man. And uh, yeah, really, today I want to speak to you on something that uh, Pastor Dave shared. Man, it's a Whitaker special today. Sweet like chocolate. So good. He just had this chuck away line a few months ago when he was speaking. And he just said, you know, oftentimes in the media and in culture of today, we hear so much about who church is against and what we're not for. It's time for us as believers to start making noise about the things that we are for. And I don't know about you, but I think the message carried on. And we've done this other series since, but I kind of stayed there. And I've been chewing this for a while, so pardon me for buckling your seatbelts for a moment, but I really want to share with you who we are. And the message today is entitled, We Are the Church. And I want to speak to you on three key functions of church. And the first is hospital, boot camp, and a fuel station. And I think it matters so much that we represent God well 
and the fullness of who he is. I go so far as to say if all we do is lean into one or any two of those areas that we've actually failed in our assignment to represent who he is. And this is my best way of trying to explain this to you, but I've got this, you can tell I did the Photoshop on the next slide for the picture here is amazing. You ready? There's something about a three-legged table that requires all three legs to be usable and to function. In fact, if you take any one or two away, very quickly it becomes unstable. Some would say unuseful. Certainly unbalanced and uneven. And there's something in our call as a corporate church to embrace all of who God has asked us to be, to represent all three of the hospital, the boot camp, and the fuel station. Another way I could put this is let's just say that we were, we were friends, right? Like not, like not like a little bit of friends, but like I trust you so much that I say to you, hey, I'm going away for a while. I just need you to do three things. I don't really know when I'm back, but could you feed my kids? Could you look after my house? And could you take care of my business? How many know in the fullness of time when I come back that if we get back and be like, hey, how did it go? And you're like, well, your kids are fed. Your business is good, but your house burned down. This is not like the old school C where 50% is a pass rate, right? You failed. You're like, no, it's okay because I used the ashes and the embers to cook the food to feed your kids. So call it even. No, you still failed, right? You take any combination of that and pull about a part of it away. And we misrepresent who we're called to be, the one that we follow. And I want to speak to you today around these three functions. And let me talk to you firstly about the area of a hospital. If we go to the next one. Shout out to you, Josh. Thanks, man. See that hand. Let's go. My man. Hey, there's this word that the hosp- that hospital derives from. It's a Latin word, hospice, which is the same root word, root word as hospitality. And I love the, the definition of hospice. It says, the one who provides hospitality to the sick, so that. Somebody say, so that so that they may become healthy and whole. We see throughout Scripture that Jesus was on a mission for restoration. It's a rescue mission, but also a mission for healing. And I love just reading through what God does. Some of the most significant things happen over a meal, over a moment of hospitality. How's hospitality going in your life? Can I suggest to you it's spiritual? And you know, the paralyzed man comes for this moment of healing where his mates are like, hey, you're pretty busted. We need to take you to Jesus. But they can't get there. So they dig a hole in the roof and they lower him down in the middle of everybody. And it's a bit of a wild story. Imagine being the homeowner, right? (laughs) Bit of indoor, outdoor flow. Yeah, it's good. So good. And this, this weird thing happens where Jesus says to him, hey, first thing he says, your sins are forgiven. You're whole. I don't know about you, but I'd be pretty mad if I was the friends who just lugged him and dragged him to, come on, this guy needs healing. Jesus, what are you doing? It's amazing how we can think of the need that really that we need to meet with Jesus is not the primary need that he wants to minister and set us free. And almost as an offhanded comedy, he's like, oh, and by the way, you're healed. Take up your mat and walk, which is a good thing because if you're the homeowner, you're like, I'm going to thump that guy. But there's so many people in the way that I can't get to him. So Jesus is like, you better go now before the homeowner gets you. At least in my head, that's how it goes. I want to say this, it doesn't matter what you come to Jesus with as what you think is your primary need, just so long as you come. 
he'll figure out what really is. Oftentimes we go through stuff and we're like, oh, would you just set me free? I need that. Help me to work through it. If you just take this thing away from me. And sometimes we miss what he wants to do in it. We're so focused on getting through it. He's like, no, no, I'm trying to do something in this. I just wonder what the primary need really looks like from his point of view in our lives. And the Great Commission tells us, you know, in the space of a hospital is to love. No, sorry, the Great Commandment is to love. To love others, to love God, to love ourselves. One of the best ways we can do that is by caring for people through hospitality. Oftentimes we just want to rush you through your pain because it's uncomfortable for me too. To sit when things aren't going right. Oh, you'll be fine. Brush your knees off, kids. You're all right. This morning when my kids fell over and I love the question. was like, hey, is the concrete okay? We're raising strong men here. I think that's a beautiful question. But let's not rush people through their pain. You know, like, I, I don't know, if you, maybe you know my story, but I'm fortunate enough to have come out the other side of a year-long journey in hospital. And I got to know that the workings of a hospital is pretty weird. You learn a few things when you're stuck inside for a year. For a crime I didn't commit, I broke the record at the time for the most chemo for anyone under 18 in New Zealand history, just battling a couple of different types of lymphoma. It's not a record I would encourage anyone to attempt. Uh, but, you know, it's not just patients in a hospital at any point in time. There's a bunch of staff, there's a bunch of courier drivers, a bunch of specialists, a bunch of family and friends coming to visit. There's other people who work in the cafe. On our ward floor, just up from the child cancer ward was a hairdresser. How's that for a difficult business plan, right? I guess there's a market for everybody, but I really need you to trim my wig. Do you know they did this pain experiment in Germany a few years ago where they just sat people in a bucket of ice in a dark room by themselves and see how long they could wait. They said, just stay in there as long as you can. That's their only instruction. Half the group went and then the other half, they just put some random stranger in the corner. Bit weird, right? In a dark room and you're standing in ice. Stranger said nothing, did nothing, just stood there. Do you know the people who were in the room with somebody were able to outlast more than twice as long? and endure pain for more than twice as long. And I think oftentimes when somebody goes through a season of pain, we just try and rush them through it because we're uncomfortable by it. We miss the fact that, come on, God, I don't know what to say here. And we're so tied up. And what should I say? We forget the fact that the old Air New Zealand adage, just being there is everything. Just the presence to, and the presence of mind to be able to sit with you and meet you in your pain. The courage, just, it's okay. I want to say if you're in a season or maybe you'll come into a season where you need to go through the hospital function of church. Firstly, it's okay to embrace a hospital. It's there for a reason. We're called to be a hospital for a purpose. But it's not to give you a drug fix. One time I got addicted to morphine. They just cranked it up and took it away. And then for like five days straight, you could wring my bed sheets out with sweat and I'd have these hallucinations. And I don't recommend that or so. But we're not trying to function to numb you and keep you there. And to meet you there and to sit with you is not just to stay there forever. Like at any point in time, not everybody was in the ICU or the A&E. There's a range of patients and, and inpatients and day patients and outpatients and people who come back every few months for checkups and then people who come back every few years and then they start to say, I'm sick of seeing you, so healthy, go away. And you go, thank you, God, for what you've done in my life. And I don't know why God healed me and he doesn't heal other people. That's what makes him God and me not. 
But I do know that that's one of the defining moments of my life where I was able to encounter peace that surpasses understanding. I just knew that my time wasn't up. But can I share with you this morning, oftentimes we don't encounter the peace that surpasses understanding because we so need to understand. We have to give up a need for understanding in order to embrace the peace of God. So I'm saying, why me, God? Why in this season? I don't understand. Just start saying, God, I trust you anyway. I came naked. I leave naked. I praise the name of God. I know you're going to meet me here in my pain. I make room for what you want to do in this season. I wonder if we can have the next slide. I read for you in Mark chapter 2, it says, Jesus himself confronts the religious mindset that says, why would you eat with such scum? How dare we label somebody made in the image of God so poorly? There's so much power in how we label and speak about people. He says, I didn't come for the healthy Healthy people don't need a doctor. Sick people do. I came for the ones who know that they're sick, for the ones who know that they're sinners. He even launches his public ministry after being baptized and spending time being tempted in an isolation and solitude in the desert by picking up a scroll that someone hands him. And he reads this passage from Isaiah that says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. And if you're anointed in this place, let me give you five things that the anointing is inviting you to partner with. The first is he says, he's anointed me to bring good news, good news to the poor. Second one is to proclaim freedom for people in captivity. The next is that the blind would see. How many know, God, if you would shift my perspective, my whole world would change. Give me eyes to see and ears to hear, not just the physical, but in the spirit, what it is that you're doing in this season. It says the oppressed will be set free and, and proclaim this. God's favor has come. Here's an interesting thing about favor. God says about Jacob and Esau, Jacob I loved, but Esau I hated. Now Esau's whole life was successful. He was a successful hunter. He got to stay in his homeland. He got to live off the fat of the land. He had a big family. He still encountered the favor. I don't know if you know about Jacob, but Jacob got beat up and kicked out. And God really dealt with his character over many different challenges. And you can read about that later on. To the point where he wrestles God. How cool is that? And I saw this, this person. Oh, here we go. Just sharing about this. And do you know what? The love of God can look like he's dragging you through stuff because he's more concerned with our character than our comfort. On the outside, it could look like your life is hashtag blessed. Right? But we read last week about what hashtag blessed really means. There's something about a limp that makes you lean into the one who gave you the limp. For the rest of his life, he just leaned. And God says, that I love him. Maybe that'll shift if you're going through something. If you go, here's the anointing moment. Just the next slide. I want you to ask yourself this morning, Holy Spirit, where do you want to do surgery in my life? Who can I be hospitable for today? If you ask that question every day, just this week, imagine what God could do through just us. 
If you're running from the surgery table, can I just encourage you, stop running. Allow God to deal with the tumors in our lives to set you free. Oh, it's all right. It's quite comfortable. Joe, in 2 Timothy, God says, I haven't given you a spirit of fear, but of power, of love and self-discipline. In other words, translation says of sound mind. There's the function of a fuel station and the way that we love and meet with people to function as a hospital and in our discipline as a boot camp. And I shared this a little while ago in prayer meeting, but um, about a year and a bit ago, we were traveling a year and a half ago or so. We were traveling from Auckland with some of the team down to a marae for the college visit down there. And through the Waikato, there's really peaty land. It's like undulating roads because it moves all the time. It was, I don't know if you've been in that space, but basically the road was difficult. And we were following a big double truck and trailer. And, and just for the record, it was my fault. It was totally my fault. But we were very nearly in a really serious car accident. And trying to honor the people uh, that we had an appointment with and make it there on time. Uh, I tried to pass this truck and out of nowhere this corner came out before I could see. And this giant transit van came flying around the corner and there was nowhere to go. And I'm, I'm, I'm owning the fact that it was my fault. But also the truck driver sped up a lot as I tried to pass him. Which didn't help. But it was still my fault. And there was, there was like a drain on both sides of the road. There was nowhere for the truck to go, nowhere for the van to go, and nowhere for us to go. And we both just locked our brakes up. And at the last moment, a driveway allowed the van to pull in as I pulled in behind the truck. And there was, there was just this moment of, that could have been it. And I shared in prayer meeting a while ago that, you know, and then we moved here and I didn't think anything of it. And then I began to cross the road at work, which is a busy road with a bunch of transportation companies around. And I would just be terrified of crossing the road. It's like that moment it opened this doorway of fear in my life. And I'm 36. For about three decades, I've been successfully crossing the road, just if you're wondering. But I was like, you're joking. Like there was just this unusual and unrealistic fear. And I couldn't describe it, but it paralyzed me. I would get nervous crossing the road, and I would wait for big gaps. And at 5 o'clock on my street, that would mean sometimes I'd get stuck coming home late for quite a while because there was so much traffic. And I talked to my dad, and he was just sharing. We grew up as missionary kids, and we traveled a lot. And he's like, I don't know what it is, but I just developed this fear of flying lately. Every time I get in a plane, I just freak out, white-knuckle it. Like the first time you drive your car, and your dad's in the car, and he's screaming at you blessings and mercy and favor and you're doing such a good job son and I don't know if anybody else got that encouragement we all got to have something right and then some people prayed for him and he got set free and I was like man that's awesome and I remember a couple days later crossing the road and going wait what if this thing is spiritual I don't know about you but I get a little bit of mongrel in me and my faith every now and then and I was like I'm not having that and so I'm walking down the street after work with cars and people everywhere and a whole lot of people coming out of the office and the factory and the logistic people around. And out loud, I go, in the name of Jesus, I break the power of fear. Get the hell off me. And I don't really care what people think about when I was, well, it must have looked interesting. And you know, from that moment, God set me free.
couple of months ago, our home loan renews and it goes up like four times as much and, and this PTSD of a difficult year last year just surfaces again and trusting God that we'll have enough. And I start freaking out that we're going to lose our home. And maybe in this room today, some of us are just wrestling with fear that's unusual, unreasonable, and paralyzing. And I just want to say to you today that t- I really believe today is a day that God can set you free. And I don't want to wait until the end of this to do that. Friends, if, if you are at the moment, I just wonder, just where you are, there's something in your life. Maybe it's trivial like crossing a road or maybe it's more meaningful that brings up some trauma. I don't know what the area of fear in your life is that's festering at the moment, but I believe that today is a day that God wants to meet you and cut it off. And maybe like that moment of turning on a light, what if this thing is spiritual? Well, if it is, it's about to go. I want to give a notice with you this morning. Yeah, yeah, there's something in my life that's just paralyzing me with fear. Just so I know who I'm praying with, would you just wave at me? Wow. Now I'm going to ask you to do something really, really brave. Just where you are, would you just stand? around for everybody if you want to even though standing it's okay you can look around even in our fear we're not alone and if you're close to someone could you just reach out if you're comfortable maybe we can lay a hand on your shoulder or just pray with you just pray I want church to pray for a moment I'm going to declare this morning for every fear that we break the power of fear in your life, that God would meet you even right where you are, that today is a day that He would set you free. And like Moses said about His people, that we would say this morning, let my people go in Jesus' name. I pray that every bondage and every moment of trigger, you would shut the surface, show us the door that opened. You would close it this morning supernaturally, that every spiritual attack and and permission that the enemy has to come at us would be set free and broken off us in Jesus' name this morning. And I pray that we would recognize that even this week, come on, I'm free. I'm free in Jesus' name. Amazing. Thank you. You can grab a seat. Let's go to the next one. Call to function as a hospital, a boot camp. A boot camp is talking about disciples. Disciple literally means a disciplined follower. How's discipline in your life in this season? I love the the thought that every local church should be a spiritual boot camp, somewhere where Christians can get basic training, be equipped and maintain a state of combat readiness for the spiritual battles of life. There's something about following Jesus that's twofold. There's a tension that says, I'm being made like the one that I'm following. But at the same time, as an overflow of that, I'm helping to make others more like Him and invite them into the place where He's called me. It's about following and recognizing who is following. I'm not talking about Instagram and your street cred online. But the Hebrew mentality of this is really beautiful. They would believe that you know, knowledge was something that you did something with. That it wasn't enough to know about it. Yeah, I know about tithing, but I'm not doing it. Yeah, I know about healing, but I'm not asking. For I know the power of coming together on a Sunday in the corporate gatherings where we get to. I understand the power of e-groups, but are you doing it? And they would base what you know out of an overflow of what you did. Those things were interrelated. 
not the saying is that your action is more important than your knowledge. How countercultural is that today? To all of our experts online. If we go to the next, in Ephesians 4, it says, I, a prisoner. Paul has embraced boot camp so much that he's become a POW. He says, I beg you to lead a life worthy of your calling. Because you have been called by God. And Jesus himself says in Matthew 16, if you want to follow me, you've got to give up your way. Take up your cross and follow me. If you try and hang on your life, you'll lose it. But if you lose it for my sake, you'll find it. What does it profit a man to gain the whole world if it costs you your soul? And here's the moment of anointing. It's the next slide. I just ask him, God, Holy Spirit, where do I need to embrace discipline? And who am I discipling? Just ask him to show you. Now, oftentimes, we're guilty of over-romanticizing. Oh, what's my call? And real quickly, the call becomes about my call. It becomes about me. And there's so much I in that. It's disgusting. I think God is so passionately concerned about what's your next yes. And sometimes we have to ask ourselves, what's the last thing he's asked us to do? And what have we done about it? If we would just stay faithful to the next yes, it's too easy to misinterpret and misunderstand and put ourselves in a different interpretation of what God has given us as a dream. Joseph gets this dream as a 17-year-old, and he sees it's all about people bowing down and serving him. How much did he miss that mark? It was like 32 years old where he encountered the fullness of that dream, and it was about his influence to be able to save and serve other people and not the other way around. And because God knew his character. He started this journey of character development to just embrace patience and to embrace and knock the thing of pride and just understand, come on, what it means to be able to forgive and recognize. He drags him through all of these experiences in life just so he's ready when the time is needed to be able to save a nation and then the nations of the world. And you know, because uh, we were founded as a bunch of young adults, mostly we had more worship team than on stage than off stage when we first launched church a while ago. Uh, we went through some life stages together, and there was a season of lots of uh, stag do's when everybody got married. And we had all these paintball, often paint, I don't know why paintball, but we had paintball environments in that for a while. The thrill of death is really cool for some dudes. We like it. Uh, and anyway, there was this one game where I remember playing with two dudes from the army. And I was so grateful to be on their team because they just obliterated everybody. Like just absolutely obliterated. I don't think they got shot that day. I got shot watching them. I don't know. I got probably shot myself. I don't know. It was one of those moments. But there's something about a trained, disciplined follower, a soldier who's embraced what it means. And some people say, ah, oh, train hard to fight easy. I don't know that I believe if every encounter and fight God calls us into is easy at all. I think sometimes we need everything we learn from those seasons of lion and bear to be able to stand and fight, but it still takes something of courage, and there's a sacrifice and cost to just stand. You know, another time in playing second 11 football for uh, Burnside High School, and we were a school that was good at music and good at maths, and we sucked at sports. So this can tell you how good I was. I was second 11, and we were a pretty baller team at the time. We were good at 
chess. That was apparently a sport. I was like, whoa, you get so emotional. Does it become like a fight afterwards? I never really understood how that got like a sport, but whatever. If you're good at that, good for you. That's amazing. You would have fit in really well. And anyway, we went out to Darfield and we played this team and, and we were 3-0 up by halftime. We were like, we're going to whip these guys. I remember the halftime. We should just do it again. Maybe we could get six. Let's go for it. And then these two exchange students turned up, like these Japanese guys. And I just remember them smiling. Like, have you ever seen lions about to go feeding on like the little animals that can't run away? They're like, oh, we got this. We lost 11-3. I don't think we even touched them for like the second half of the game. There's something about disciplined and trained soldiers who've embraced the cost to learn how to fight. They're so powerful. And I just wonder this morning, what's your next yes? Next slide. Fuel station. I love the blessing of coming together in relationship with people and in these encounters and expression that's bigger than myself. I think it's a privilege that I don't want to take for granted. In the Old Testament, they were so nervous about encountering the full presence of God that only the priest was allowed to once a year and they'd wrap a rope around him and have some bells. And they did that because if the bells stopped ringing, then he must have dropped dead and there was no other way to get him out of the presence of God. I don't know about you, but I'd come to church a little different if it meant that I was going to drop dead, if there was an unresolved issue of sin in my life or from the whole nation of New Zealand that I forgot to repent about. That would change the way that I would walk into an environment like this. But God made it possible for us just to come right into His presence together every time. It's just a privilege that I don't want to take for granted. And do you know there's something about a fuel station that is a powerful thing to be refreshed and refueled? But oftentimes, if we're not careful, we change the mindset about what can I get? What can I receive? What do you have for me today? Entertain me. Refresh me. Meet my need. And if we're not careful, we very quickly embrace church as a consumer. And I've put this as a continuum because I think this is like a living organism that we're not just in one box. Oh, yeah, sweet. I'm a contributor. Oh, no, I'm a consumer. Oh, it's not like that. I think we go through things in life where we have to keep asking ourselves often, God, what's going on in my heart? Why did I respond that way? What are you leading me into in this season? The thing about a consumer is they ask, what can I get today? Whereas a contributor says, what can I give? They come to be served instead of to serve. When we lean too far towards the lifestyle of a consumer, we take more than we give. A contributor gives more than it can take. A consumer will spectate and complain. A contributor will participate and honor. Here's a question. If God inhabits our praises, who inhabits our complaints? Lifestyle of a consumer becomes a pond. I don't know the last time you went swimming in a pond, but those things that go nowhere, if there's nowhere to flow, begin to stagnate. In fact, the Dead Sea, right? That's literally its name is a place that flows nowhere. It's too salty. Yeah, you're called to be salt and light, but you get too salty. All you're good for is that things would float, right? But there's something life-giving about being able to flow through instead of just flow to. If we roll to the next one, in Acts 2, you know that old up and go? My kids had that the other day. They tried the strawberry one, and then my now six-year-old was like, I don't like it, yuck. My three-year-old was like, I like it. And then his sister said he didn't like it, so he's like, no, I don't like it, Yuck. 
So we got some up and go. It's still fresh, but if you come around, you can probably enjoy it before it expires. Just come around soon. And if we haven't got lunch, we can fill you up with that while we cook you something for a minute. But I like the idea of up and go where we're in Acts 2. It says, notice this, all the believers were meeting together in one place. What do you mean together in one place? It's oftentimes possible to be in a room but not together. To be all over the place. You know, I'm here physically, but my mind is elsewhere. But they were meeting in one place, and they stayed there long enough, going after what God had for them, that something happens, and the roof tears off this place, and it says that everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit. And then a full circle back to the theme for our year, the Great Commission, that you're commissioned, it says... Jesus himself says, hey, I've been given all authority in heaven and earth. So go and make disciples and baptize them. Teach them to obey everything that I've given you. And be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. It's the same thing he says to Joshua when Moses dies. Fear not, take courage, I am with you. Again and again and again. So it moves from this thing to this thing. Says, I'm with you. You might be in a storm at the moment, but I'm with you. Life might be challenging right now, but I'm with you. You might be going through a season of fear and uncertainty, but I'm with you until the end of the age. And as I make a something of a disciple in you and in this circumstance, come on, you can make a disciple in others. And here's the question today. If we go to the next slide, it's the last one. Maybe we get the team. Holy Spirit, show me, where do you want to refuel in my life? And who can I refuel today? I wonder what area just needs a top up. Maybe it just got a little bit dry. Maybe maybe it just needs a little top up. I don't know how it works in your family, but my wife is got a lot of faith when it comes to our petrol tank. I told her the other day, I was like, thanks for sending me in the other car real last minute when we swapped cars and it was basically empty. And I was like, I only just made it to work. She's like, yeah, but did the light come on? And I'm like, yeah, I told you it was basically empty. And yeah, but did the light come on? Because she understands the capacity of the orange light and for me I'm like I'm not sucking the drig through my cars and then have to service it and deal with that no thanks yeah yuck just make it more expensive to service it she's got great faith I honor her we've been married for 13 years of marital bliss of heavenly romance she is so blessed thanks for your encouragement and yeah there was real conviction in the room there God gave her an opportunity to develop so much patience. So good. Hey, I wonder if you'd just stand this morning. Sorry if you're a little bit queasy, but one of the ways that I used to explain this, which I've learned not to anymore, was I pray that in my vomit, God would stick what's of him and all of me would fall away. I don't use that anymore because some people get a bit queasy about that, but... Sorry about that. 
just if, if you're comfortable, maybe just open your hands. Feel free to close your eyes if you want to. Just ask for a moment of encounter with God again. Come on, in this space, let's just remind our spirit. Come on, God, we want to lay down what's a burden to us and pick up what is one to you. Lord, we just release in this atmosphere your anointing to refresh, to refuel, to refire for every person here, Lord, in our, in our surrender, in our response to you, even as we worship this morning. Thanks for listening to this podcast. Check out our website at equipuschurch.com forward slash Christchurch.